So who would win a fight between a tiger and a grizzly bear? Tiger. Why? Just would. I think a grizzly bear because it's got like arms. Maybe it's because I remember the, the horror movie. Again, when you two were bored. There's a Simon Grizzly. Hello and welcome to the First Solution podcast. For those that don't know us, First Solution help our customers employ technology to reach their desired outcomes. We have decided to start a podcast as we have some really interesting people in our business network who can offer some great insights into the business and technology worlds. For our first guest on the podcast, we are delighted to have Henry Stalin, CEO of Forest Green. FGR are a professional football club based in Nailsworth, Gloucestershire, and they compete in League Two of the Football League. They are renowned for being the greenest sports club in the world and are constantly striving to implement eco-friendly and sustainable innovations into what they do. They also became the world's first vegan football club back in 2015. Henry is a well-known entrepreneur in Gloucestershire and the youngest CEO in professional football. Nigel Church, Managing Director and myself, Paul Hillis, Sales Director of First Solution, sat down with Henry late last week have a wide-ranging chat on lots of different topics. We talked about how Forest Green are adapting to the pandemic, what COVID means for the future of football, sustainability in business and much more. We also found out who Henry's favourite football player is and had lots of other off-topic ramblings. So over to the, co- to the recording and we hope you enjoy. How are you doing? How are you doing Henry? <laughs> How's lockdown treating you? It's been good. Um, we've been uh, working from home now on and off for about 12 weeks. Uh, we furloughed all of our players and staff for 100% right at the beginning of lockdown, mm-hmm. um, which was the right thing to do. A lot of, of a lot of people said maybe it was it was too soon to make that decision, but we, we protect both their jobs and they've also been paid 100%, so um, it's been about as good as it can be. Yeah, what happened with the Premier League team? Because they furloughed a load of people and then there was uproar, wasn't there? And they said, how dare you do that? You know, and they got hauled over the coals. What was that? I can't. It was pretty much that. Is um, uh, fans or the general public didn't see why clubs that turn over half a billion pounds should be using the government furlough scheme. Right. Um, but it's all relative. Um, their their costs and their profits will be pretty much the same as ours, but on a much grander scale. So yeah. if they need to use the furlough scheme, it's there to protect staff. And that's what it was, isn't it? Yeah. But are, are any of the t- are, are any of them making money? What level are we talking? At the Premiership level, is anyone actually making money? Uh, so, so they may have a massive turnover, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're not. It's 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 hard um, to look at, but a lot of them are doing it for the um, the bigger picture. So, the asset value of the club, whilst they're maybe not making as much money each year as a typical business, um, right, uh, will be going up each year based on performance, asset value of players, brand awareness. If you look at Manchester United, they're they're financed up to the eyeballs, but they're one of the most valuable clubs in the world. It's like these unicorn internet-based businesses, isn't it? It just doesn't matter, profit doesn't matter. Profitability is kind of secondary to, but how long can that sustain Mm. in reality? Mm. Well, it's things like, uh, I don't know a good example, but Uber, Deliver, I imagine they might not return a profit for a long time. Um, It's such a radical idea, there'd be so much um, capital being pumped into them um, again for the longer term vision. I mean, my favourite one from a technology perspective is Salesforce. 
massive global CRM software company. Never made any money. Ever. Ever. But are going out and buying, you know, uh, Tableau for $1.6 billion, but never made, ne never turned a profit. So what's, what, the, what's the long term plan? I, I, I don't know. Well, I think, <laughs> I think it's to become so, the platform. So to become ubiquitous. So, like, as in Microsoft is the standard operating system, and you, well, you haven't got much choice but to use Microsoft in a lot of areas. Same with Facebook, same with Google. So once you're in that position, then you you can do what you like. That's got to be plans to monetize money. it. You've got to make some money at some point. Yeah. Right? Once once you're in that position, then it's almost a monop monopoly. So but you've got to turn over a lot of years of debt. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's an odd thing. Yeah, I get it. So how have the um, the players been doing in uh, in lockdown and? They've been doing okay? Yeah, um, uh, I think they'll struggle more than many because they've wanted to get out on the pitch and play football, they want to train, that's what they, that's you know, that's their that's their job and that's what they've always done. So they're not used to working from home ever. Um, it's a very different mm. way of um, working than maybe an office job or an executive role where you're quite used to having now and then working from home, but players just want to get out and um, you know, kick a football and, and do what they do best. So been hard for them but they're, they're keeping fit at home they've been given fitness programs um, we've engaged with um, a number of them to, uh, to work with some of our sponsors on sort of digital campaigns okay so we've done some really cool stuff with corn um, where we've had four of our players cooking a corn dish at home and um, yeah I think everyone's just looking for an answer of what's gonna happen um, for next season because it's difficult to keep professional footballers occupied when they're playing football and training every day, yeah, isn't it? The finely so, tuned machines. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it must be even more challenging for them to keep themselves kind of occupied and amused. Yeah, all they want to do is play football, whichever yeah, yeah, you get. Um, so they're used to quite you know um, a routine of training. So they, they train four days a week. They go and play on a Saturday in front of big crowds, and then they have a Sunday off and then they do it again. So to have something like this, it's probably even bigger impact on them. Mm. Yeah. So, the, so you, as I understand it, and it, I think it's changing quickly, but the, the Premiership season starting on the 20th of June, but the lower league, League Two, has been cancelled, right? Sort of. So our first match, I think, was cancelled on the 14th of March, and only yesterday or two days ago did we get an official decision that our league, League Two, has been curtailed. Um, and what that means is that the top three go up automatically right. based on current points per game. The next four um, will play in the playoffs, so the playoffs will play out behind closed doors. Okay. Again, those positions are based on uh, points per game, and the relegated team will go down based on points per game without a chance, obviously, to get out of, out of that plight. Mm. Mm. So the season has been stopped. The current positions as of the 14th of March are what they're going to go forward with. Based on points per game. And where does that put FGR? I think that puts us in 10th. So oh. two or three point, two or three places outside the playoffs. But there's no ideal outcome to this. We were, we, we were the only team that voted to play on this season out of 24 in League 2. Right. Um, which yeah. we were quite surprised by. We didn't expect to, you know, the majority to want to play on because of the costs incurred with that. But we thought that was the right thing to do is to sporting merits play the season out right and what were the costs what are the associated costs we've got the costs of bringing everyone off furlough right um so that's not just for the matches that's for three weeks training prior you've then got the costs of testing so that's about 140 grand per club 
that's just for six home games. So right. if, you pro, if you prorate that out over the course of a season, it's going to be expensive if that's the way we have to go. But we'd had a good year financially, um, so and we just wanted to play the season out. But we completely get why a number of clubs didn't. Uh, everyone right. has everyone has a. Uh, um, an element of self interest in the top three, if they knew they were going to go up anyway, why play the season out? Mm. Playoffs, why play the season out? It. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it's really those, and there's only one relegated team from our league this season um, because of what happened with Berry. So there's one less relegated. So there wasn't, and the clubs in the middle, what's the point of them playing it out and expending all that cash? We were the only club that wanted to, to play out the season. So we'll just, uh, you know, we'll just get ready for next season now. I suppose it's the ones in eight, nine, and ten that would be interested in playing it out, eh? Because they had still had an opportunity to make it into the playoffs. So. Yeah, you think so? I think people have yeah. been quite good though. So um, the likes of you know, Port Vale, who are just outside um, the, the playoff spots and on a really good run, um, uh, they, as much as they wanted to play it out, they accepted that there's no ideal situation to this, and they were really sort of quite gracious in the fact that they just said, "Look, it's not going to get played out." Uh, we'll accept the facts as much as hard as it is that we're not going to be in the playoffs um, and we'll get ready for next season. Right. The testing that's been going on in the Premier League, I mean, that's been quite extensive, hasn't it? I was catching up on it. 7,000 tests, they're testing twice a week, every player twice a week. Uh, I mean, the results have been encouraging. I think only 14 positive tests mm -hmm. over 7,000. 7, uh, so. It'd be the same at our level twice a week. Um, right. uh, backroom staff and players um, and you, a training ground and a stadium would probably be the safest place for them to be it'd probably be even safer than being at home going shopping um, yeah, yeah. because of the sterility of it so we could have made it work at our league uh, our level but um, just the costs were quite prohibitive to many Right, so into next season now planning for next season mm -hmm. Again we don't know what next season looks like um, we've had no indication on that my best guess would be it starts in September Right behind closed doors. Hopefully, fans will come back maybe by January, twenty twenty one. January twenty twenty. Yeah, so it's a long time. But there might, I guess, in, in between there, there might be a transition period where they allow a certain amount of fans in that can social distance. Uh, so it might be season ticket holders only. Right. Um, so for us, if we've got a thousand season ticket holders in a in a capacity stadium of five thousand, is that about where you would think the number is? That's about twenty percent, isn't it? Yeah. Is right. Um, There's a thing about the. Um, the two metre rule, isn't there? Because I read about uh, the RFU talking about Twickenham and they were saying if it's a two metre um, social distancing rule, it's hardly worth doing. A one metre means quite a significant difference in terms of how many people you can get through the door. The, the problem you've got is when you let fans back in the stadium, the costs for the club go through the roof. So yes. every, every game our stewarding costs are five grand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not based on necessarily... Um, the potential for the uh, for clashes between fans, it's safeguarding, it's fire exits. So each stand you open, you have to have more stewards. So if we can only fill 25% of the stadium, but we've got to social distance them, we're still going to need probably the same amount of stewards as if we had a full stadium. Mm -hmm. So we're quite happy to go back home and close doors. It gives us a chance to try different um, commercial stuff. So more streaming, filming from different angles, digital sponsorship, mm -hmm. uh, hospitality packages in the, you know, in the comfort of your own home where we deliver food to your door. Um, okay. So and then what you do, if that works and, and you get good revenue from it, you take those lessons and you can then um, align them with your traditional sponsorship methods um, for the next season and you should be in a good position. Flying. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I suppose it does represent an opportunity in that respect to kind of innovate around revenue generation. And then when we get back to normal, touch wood, uh, you, you, you can do both really well. Yeah. yeah, I think the way I've seen it from the beginning, and, and I've spoken to all the staff about this, is it's it's a real bad situation, but like there's definitely a positive to take from it. Mm. Um, it's a challenge hopefully we never get again, as from a business standpoint, and mm. same with you guys. Um, so it gives us like a different um, headache, which is not a bad thing in the long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you see a situation whereby we get entirely back to where we were in a year? Two year, or, or do you think it's going to be a football or a look football a, a long term change? I don't see hands. I don't see people shaking hands for a long time, um, which is a bit mental because then they go and celebrate together, they tackle each other. Mm. Um, but I think it's more of um, an image thing, like the optics of players now shaking hands for a match with opposition players isn't the smartest thing. So I don't think that will happen for a long time. Um, but I do hope that like it returns to normal maybe by the end of next season. What are they doing? And again, New Zealand clearly has been, you know, they've declared themselves COVID free and they've got Super Rugby down there. Eh? And they're allowing crowds back in to watch Super Rugby. Right. And I don't know if they're going to just allow them all in because they're so confident or whether they're going to just kind of pair it back to this 20% kind of marker. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? What about the finances of things? I mean, I guess at the Premier League level, is it the end of the mega transfer? Is that still going to carry on? The wages still going to be astronomical? No, I think, um, again, going back to like the positives come out of this, a lot of clubs now are speaking and we're working with the league on slightly more stringent um, uh, financial um, controls for clubs. So at the moment we've got something called SCMP, which allows you to spend 55% of your turnover on player salaries, which is a bit... It's never been policed properly, so what they're looking at now is bringing in a wage cap um, with maybe a squad size. Um, they do squad size in the Premier League, so I don't see why they don't do it at our level. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the the wage controls will be a lot greater moving forward, um, and I think that's a real positive to come out of this because if a club goes bust throughout COVID, as, as sad as it will be, it won't be because of COVID. It will be because they didn't have at least three months worth of cash in the bank, of cash in the bank which is typical for any which even the most basic household knows you should have um, so COVID more is about just checking the bank balance COVID like is more of a uh, stringent test on, on how clubs are, are run yes um, than being a, a sort of be all and end all so coming out of it there'll be better um, financial controls in place and the, and the other good thing about salary caps the salary caps existed in rugby for a long time uh, and it's not been very well policed in the Premiership either. I think we're going to see, you know, a change after the government inquiry in that respect. But the really positive thing about salary cap is, if it is properly implemented and properly managed, it actually delivers really competitive sport mm -hmm. because you just level the playing field. You know, everyone is competing with the same resources, so you don't get, you know, runaway leaders. Uh, and I think we, we've seen that in the Premiership at the start of this season, the Rugby Premiership, where clubs were at the top of the league that mm -hmm. maybe shouldn't have been, or you wouldn't imagine were. Like Exeter Chiefs. Well, Sale. Yeah. Because, you know, Sale and Harlequins uh, and Bristol, you know, clubs that have come from mid-table mediocrity, because of the imposition of the cap, they kind of 
were competitive in every in every respect. Whether it was, I think with the rugby one, you get two players outside of the cap. Is that right? Two marquee players. That's right. That's going to go down to one now. Oh, is it? So that was something they had muted, um, put put to clubs to to look at. Um, I don't think that would be the way that we go. I think it'd be more um, there'll be a fixed cap for an entire squad, and maybe a squad size alongside with that. And if you want to spend more, there'll be luxury tax. A luxury tax. Yeah, so it might be that you pay fifty p in the pound. Right. So let's say the budget is two million, and you want to spend four million, then there's going to be a tax on that. So it's, it's still allowed oh, to well. be competitive if they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and things like football fortune. If you if we sell a player to the Premier League for or Championship for a million quid, that gives us obviously a lot of cash that we didn't have. So do we want to reinvest that um, in, in trying to get um, promoted? So it'll be interesting. I, I don't expect all clubs to operate exactly at the salary cap. Some will want to be slightly more ambitious, but they will have to pay that luxury tax. Yeah. I'm, I'm policing it is a problem, you know. Putting the controls in place uh, is a is a problem. So it'll be an interesting. Well, that's the problem. The, the, the current financial model we've got, the SCMP stuff, it's not perfect, but nothing is. But it's not policed properly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there's no point. It, we might have been better just to look at the current system and just police it properly first, see if it works. So right. We'll see. Right. So um. So yeah, going back to what you were saying about the, there's going to be a playoff. Thing is there a little mini, just as per a usual playoff scenario, yes, or exactly the same um, setup? So four teams, semi-finals and final. All at Wembley. I don't, I don't know. They, they haven't released that yet. Typically, right. typically they're not. Typically, this, you know, the semi-finals are at um, you play two legs home and oh, away. Okay, right, right. Which I imagine will happen. The finals usually at Wembley. Yeah. Whether that happens, I don't know. Um, Cheltenham, of course, in that. Um, <sighs> North uh, Northampton, Colchester, and Exeter. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Right. Oh, I didn't realise Cheltenham were in the playoffs. Gosh, good luck to them. Do you follow the UFC at all? Not really, no. They've just announced they're doing a, they're having a fight island. Um, it's either in Dubai or Abu, Abu Dhabi. So That's smart. They're basically just sealing off this little island, getting all the fighters there and production, just filming that. I think they do like three events in a row, sort of thing. Be like Magaluf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, on steroids. Gosh, I'm just imagining being stuck on that island with all those UFC fighters. Oh, you wouldn't get drunk. Oh, it scares the life out of me. It does. It scares the life out of me. I can't watch it. I've got to turn over. I want to watch it. I flick it on and I see them battering each other, and I go, <gasps> I just can't watch it. It's amazing how there's not more deaths. I mean, I don't follow. Like you might tell me I'm wrong, but. I don't see that many people die from it. Well, I think because what happens is, I mean, once you get concussed because they sort of sprawl all over them, the fight kind of ends. So you don't get that repeated concussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, yeah. I mean, that's the rule of thumb. Whereas boxing, you get knocked down, you mm. get a count of ten, get up again, same thing happens again, that sort of thing, really. Yeah. Not to say that it isn't dangerous. A little bit dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> So um, and how's what's the news on the on the new stadium? It's it's positive. I mean, not a lot's happened publicly since we got the outline planning permission. Um, I think it was late last year, beginning of this year. Um, that's that had been in the works for five years, just to get to that point. Um, so it's certainly going ahead. We're we're now moving to the detailed planning stage. Um, and yeah, we still hope three or four years time that we'll have Eco Park up and running. I mean, it'll be a massive moment for the city, really, won't it? To have a ultra-modern stadium 
just off the junction of is it twelve or thirteen? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. It'll, it'll be iconic globally. Like if, yeah. it'll be the first um, football stadium that's made fully of wood. Um, it will, like I said, just off junction thirteen, so transport to it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it will it will have a massive pull to the county. Yeah. And it will make Stroud one of those places that people travel to. They come and watch a game, they visit the stadium, and then they stay around the area. So it, economic benefits to the to the local economy is going to be huge. Yeah, God, I remember we came to one of your corporate or one of your events or one of your games, and we had some hospitality. We sat on the table with a bunch of Irish people, and they literally just come to Nailsworth to watch the game and just to see Forest Green Rovers and, and, and have the tour around the stadium which I thought was just incredible they, they were just football fans <laughs> yeah, just, yeah yeah no association with Forest Green or Port Blair yeah, they, yeah. Were well, they were tourists really they just were they interested. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we get a huge amount if you um, if you'd probably moved two tables to the left you would have been sitting with some, some German fans or some Japanese fans and they do this they have this love for the ethos of the club and they'll travel over and it'll be there their outing for the season football wise mm. they might not Forest Green won't be their first team but will be their second team um, so we've got 100 international fan clubs which for our level is just massive yes um, so that's a big pull for us and I think about 40% of our uh, shirt sales go abroad okay so it's for a league two club we've got that that footing of, of a much bigger club but on a smaller scale I mean the I'm going to I may be misrepresenting it so correct me but the green and black zebra kit is almost like well it is iconic almost isn't it you know you kind of see it and it it kind of conjures up an emotion in you and I think that's the thing with football mm -hmm. kits they've got to create some emotional connection haven't they we sold out every time we've had it in stock I look at it now and I absolutely love it next season's one is even more uh, radical um, wow. the, so we're changing the away kit next season, keeping the home shirt and the third kit. Um, so hopefully we can do the same thing again. So I've got a three-year-old son, Henry. I'm a Man City fan. What 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 should be the first kit I buy him? Should it be a Man City away kit, the iconic black and red stripe, mm -hmm. or an FGR? <laughs> okay. an FGR, yeah. <laughs> I think I think uh, yeah, uh, an FGR zebra kit. Right. Look, look pretty good. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you my address. Okay, <laughs> and your card. <laughs> oh, okay. Of course. I, mean, I used to like some of the garish 80s and 90s kits, especially the 90s, I think they started to get a bit wild, didn't they? You got a Liverpool candy kit. Remember that one? Yes. Uh, Liverpool yeah. kit's pretty, Norwich had some, some yeah. naughty kits back then as well. There was the Man United one where they were losing at half-time. That was Southampton. And they and Alex Ferguson yeah. changed it because he said they couldn't see. They went great away at Southampton, weren't yeah. they? Um, did they win that game? I can't. Six three. No, lose? I think they still lost six three. I thought. Oh, did they lose? Yeah, I think they pulled a couple of goals back, but they still lost six three. I might be wrong. I mean, the worst kit for me was the brown Coventry City kit with the yellow two yellow stripes going down the chest into the shorts. How long ago was that? Probably a bit older than you two. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you won't remember, but they had a brown, a brown, a brown away kit. Yeah. I mean, it was something else. Kits, because <laughs> of the sublimation that you can do on kits now, I think you're going to see a lot more crazy designs come out than in the past, where it's just typical stripes, etc. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a lot of clubs will be reticent to do it because you're going away from the identity of the club. So, mm. but the, a third kit gives fans, uh, gives clubs a chance to uh, try something a bit different. Yeah, and there's a back. A balance to be struck, isn't there? Because I remember there was um, one of the Welsh rugby teams, um, I think it was the Dragons, I might be wrong, but they got a lot of criticism because they basically 
head to toe plastered their players in sponsors. <laughs> so literally every single yeah. available space had a sponsor on it. So I guess you need to be a bit careful in terms of it looks good, but it's still yeah. You don't want it to be you don't want to be too gimmicky. We um, in in football, I'm not sure it's the same rugby, but you've got only certain places you've got sponsors, certain sizes. Um, what, as defined by the league. Yeah. Okay. So it stops clubs just putting brand logos everywhere. Um, yeah. So typically you've got back of the shirt at the bottom, you've got front of the shirt, um, you've got back of the shorts, um, but you can't do sleeves. Uh, so at the Premier League level you've now got sleeve sponsors being a big thing, but um, we don't have the space to do that. So. Right. Can I remember Cola appearing on Man, Man United's shirt? Right. What, recently? Uh, a couple of years ago. It's like a shower mm. manufacturer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you've got uh, Western Union, the Liverpool kits. Right. Um, it's a prime spot on the arm. Yeah. You actually probably see it more than the back of the shirt sometimes. Yeah. So I mean, the club is primed and ready, isn't it? I mean, it's all. It feels like it's kind of ready just to launch itself into mm. this. It, into the stratosphere. And I mean, what, are the, what are the two things that you think needs to happen to allow it to kind of, you know, achieve its ambition of, you know, reaching the championship? What what are they? Those two things. I, th I think the first thing is on the pitch. We've got to obviously get get promoted. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> start winning some games. Yeah. Um, and you know we've we've been close on a couple of occasions now. Um, we've only been in the in the league for um, I think uh, two or three full seasons. So, okay, um, including this this one. Yeah, so we got the league seventeen eighteen. Right. Um, so this is our third season in the league. Okay. Um, that was our first ever time in the, in the football league. So um, to be where we are at the top end of the league, at least fighting for playoffs and promotion, is is a really good start. Um, but yeah, I think off the pitch. Um, we can't host championship football at our current stadium. I mean, uh, legally we can because you need to. Um, the attendance is acceptable to the championship. Oh, okay. Um, I think the I think you've got to have five thousand uh, fan spaces with a certain number of seats. We've got five thousand thirteen. But if you think about, you've been to the club up in Nailsworth on the hill. Yeah. Um, if you think about the likes of Leeds United. Or, That's that was a club I did by by. Imagine Leeds hitting Nailsworth. Yeah, it'd be crazy. I mean, even next season we're gonna have the likes of Bolton. Okay. Um, coming down to in the Premier League you know, a few years ago, yeah, yeah. Um, and this season when we played the likes of Plymouth or Bradford or um, clubs like that, uh, for them to come from a real footballing city mm. down a single track road to the new lawn, um, <laughs> and we, we, we've only got twelve hundred away seat, uh, spaces as yeah. well. So for the big clubs, they will sell out like that. Because mm. I used to go watch Bolton at Burnham Park. Show me age again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going to embarrass you a bit now, Henry. So the youngest, you're the youngest CEO in the in the football league. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about how that come to pass? Is it the football league or UEFA? I don't know. Um, I like to tell people UEFA. That's the world. Story yeah, is. go with world. <laughs> <laughs> um, FIFA. <laughs> I don't know. I think it. Um, I don't know what uh, what realm it's in, but definitely definitely in the football league. Um, Obviously, it's based on age. So that's how it came about. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been really cool. Uh, used to play for Forest Green under 18s. Um, we had dreams of becoming a professional player. Um, but they were, they, their setup then was nothing like it is now. That was pre pre Delvin's pre um, those times. We had Jack Russell uh, 
classic wicketkeeper as a, as a goalkeeping coach in the first team. Um, oh, the cricket, Jack. What's yeah, the now, cricket whip? now an artist, yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he was. I the, never knew that. Yeah, he was a goalkeeper. I remember training with him, and we straight. I mean, he was. A, he was a. He was tiny. Or, or is that just my perception of it? Because he's slouched out and had a wicket. Wicketkeepers are typically <laughs> smaller and stature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, used to, um, yeah, the first team before I screened them when I when I trained them a couple of times, we were over on training at Oxtall's Plot Court. Oh, okay. Um, and Jack Russell was the goalkeeper coach. Um, I think they must have been the national league at that point. And, I, and what's it like working for Dale? Because, like you said, he, you know, he's a you know he's a visionary guy, isn't he? He's you know somewhat unique. Uh, what's it like working, you know, with for alongside, you know, however the relationship might work? It's um, he's probably he's not probably he's the smartest guy I've ever met. Like, oh, okay. and, and I always believed before that I was the smartest guy I've ever met. Um, <laughs> oh, we got two of the smartest guys in the room together. <laughs> um, so then, um, but meeting Dale, like, you just realise that he thinks in a different way, and I'd never really learned anything in my life. I didn't think before I met Dale. So then to work someone like Dale, you uh, you just you always start learning again because there's this whole other part of business and Stuff. commerce you just yeah. don't you, you just never even thought about yeah yeah yeah. yeah. we touched upon the the uh, Nigel mentioned the hospitality stuff earlier and, and the hospitality there is brilliant at Forest Green and there's a lot of stuff that goes on isn't there in terms of the sustainability aspect of what you're doing um, you know I remember about the recycling the the oil for the, mm-hmm. the catering and things like that and then um, there's lots more stuff eh? yeah so everything so like we um, it's powered by green energy so Dale's first um, windmill for green energy is about 200 yards up uh, on the hillside so that powers the stadium uh, along with the solar panels uh, car charging points out the front uh, obviously 100% vegan match day menu for players and for fans uh, the pitch is organic and vegan so um, people quite laugh at that sometimes, but it's true. So there's no pesticides or animal products used on it. Oh, okay. Um, it's fertilised. Organic. Yes, yeah, so it's like Scottish seaweed, I think, that we, we fertilise it with. Right. Uh, we recycle the rainwater, goes through the pitch, comes back out for the sprinkler system. Um, so yeah, I mean, we get a lot of interest from other clubs and other sporting bodies that come and visit us um, to learn about what we do, and then they take that back and hopefully they do something with it. Right. Mm. I mean, sustainability is quite a big thing for us. Um, and we're in a position where we're learning more and more about it. Um, you know, I, th- I think that it's been viewed as, as a kind of, for a lot of people, a kind of PR thing, but I think there's a lot of stuff surrounding it. So things like attracting talent, um, improving investment opportunities, um, becoming more efficient, that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, since COVID-19, how do you see that aspect of, of business going do you think people might tend to think well it's, it's a kind of nice to have and focus on surviving that's a good point I, th- I think there's two things to it one is it should if you think about it as a PR opportunity it will just never go very far um, you have to do it because you want to do it um, which I know you guys do um, and you'll get longer term benefit from it so if you if you do it 100% because you want to do it and if PR comes off the back of it or you attract better talent or investment or new clients and that's great um, and you probably will but do it for the right reasons first and then the second thing is it might in some people's minds get pushed to the back of the queue after the COVID stuff because um, there's so much to be done but this is actually probably a better time to put sustainability towards the front you've got time to do it um, it's it, for me like it shouldn't it, like 
looking after the environment and, and the climate um, shouldn't be put to the back of the queue. It should always be at the front. I mean, it is the mo it is the moment for the alternative view, isn't it? You know, to say actually this is the moment that we must seize this moment. You know, you know, sustainability, consumerism. You know, stuff that we throw away, that stuff that we buy that we don't need, that we should never buy. You know, this is this is you know this is the moment of change. You know, it has to be. It has yeah, to be a yeah, catalyst yeah. for change. This whole thing, and like I said, come out of it in a more positive space. Yeah. Um, but you've got headspace to do it now, whereas before you maybe haven't because you're getting on day-to-day operations and you'd never think, oh, I'm going to do that project I was looking at. Yeah, yeah. But now you've got a real chance to do it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah and I hope we take the opportunity. Uh, you know, we when we speak about our office. You know, I mean, people working from home is a massive leap towards sustainability. Eh? You know, just not getting in their cars and driving to work, spending more time at home, you know, with your family. You know, using the garden more, uh, being more aware of your surroundings, of your impact. So, so, uh, uh, you know, unless we get really lazy, that'd be a shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless we just kind of fold in on ourselves, I think, I think we'll see it. I think it, it will. It's almost unavoidable. It would make the whole COVID lockdown, whatever you want to call it, um, valuable. Yeah, it will. Yeah. But you could also make it a complete waste of time if you don't come out of it yeah, yeah, in a more yeah. positive um, mindset and, and doing better things at the other end. Yeah. So, um, if you could give any advice, Henry, to a business looking to start out on a sustainability programme, what would that be? Um, just, I think people overcomplicate it. The easiest thing you can do straight away is you can switch to green energy. That's a phone call or a, or a website inquiry. So there's only, I think... Um, Couple of a uh, couple of pure energy companies in the UK, um, Ecotricity being the top one of those two. Um, a lot of the big uh, energy suppliers now are saying they're green or renewable, but if you look behind it, they're they're not. Um, it's not true. So switching to green energy, it might cost a little bit more. It might be a small premium, but you can use that, uh, you know, towards your marketing budget. So if you're paying an extra four hundred quid a year, for, you know, take that from your marketing budget because you can use the fact that you're powered by green energy and, and, and talk to those customers that they will be happy about that. Um, if you're if you're a bigger company, you've got a canteen. Put vegan options on the menu. So you're not saying get rid of, um, you know, your star favourites, but to put vegan options on the menu. See how they do. Um, even things like make sure there's oat milk and soy milk for, for coffee. Um, it's just to start encourage people to walk and cycle to work, which I know a lot of companies do anyway. Um, but maybe, um, you know, more. yeah, more yeah. and and, and um, you shouldn't have to reward them for it, but start off by rewarding for it until yeah. it becomes habit. Um, but there's loads of things companies can do, but they think it's such a hard thing to start off on the journey, but just do something to start off. Mm. I think what you said earlier, you've got to want to do it mm-hmm. and not just for a, I want it to, you know, to be on the face of it, to be on the website. It's like you any, want to do it yeah, in your bones. You, you've got to want to do anything in life for it to work. Like It's like trying to quit. Purely, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. trying to quit a bad habit. If you're doing it because someone else wants you to do it and you can't be, you know, you're not bothered. You'll soon slip back into it, so you've got to really like immerse yourself in why you're doing it and want to do it. Mm. Mm. I mean, there's been lots of news, you know, and that following Dale, you know, he's been really vocal on it on all the channels. When we've had 60 days of green, of non coal fueled energy, yeah, uh, in the in the country. I don't know what that actually means in reality, but that's a big moment for us, eh? Mm-hmm. 60 full days of no 
the old cold birdie. Uh, shows you can do across it. Across the UK, it just shows what's possible. Mm. I mean, the lockdown has changed our energy consumption profile as mm. well quite significantly, hasn't it? Well, yeah, because businesses typically consume more energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Think about manufacturing plants, stuff like that. But people will be using more energy at home now. Yeah. So uh, swings and roundabouts, really. But yeah, no, that's a real positive to come out of it as well. Yeah. I heard a phrase that said that about the lockdown that Mother Nature um, sent us home to think about what we've done. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you that? Or did you see that? Into Twitter, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An argument on Twitter somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like the six. Is it the sixth or the ninth? That you know, are we on the verge of the sixth or the ninth mass extinction? Is this? Is this? Is this the? You know, is this the moment of the yeah. next mass extinction? I think it's a warning, isn't it? I think we're lucky in that it could get a lot worse. I think if we carry on as as we're going, mm-hmm. there's various different ways it could. So mm. we'll see. All right, before we get too dark, we'll. Uh, I like a bit of darkness though. There's a rabbit hole. <laughs> so, so Henry, how will the world end? <laughs> when, no more to the point. When, when will it end? Yes. <laughs> Should I start building a bunker now? You can come around to mine while I'm on your hole. Thought you were the sort. <laughs> so. What's your favourite Premier League team, Henry? Uh, Liverpool. Oh gosh. Oh, no, I don't know why I, I supported them from like day dot. I always had the Liverpool candy kits. Where were you born? Eighty-eight. So who was who's? Your, what's your first? I mean, I, my first memory of Liverpool is Jimmy Case, Graham Souness, Alan okay. Kennedy. You know, that's my first yeah. memory. What's that's your back first in the memory? Yeah. Mine would be like John Barnes, Rush. Oh, okay. Um, but then when I was old enough to understand what was going on, like Steve McManaman, yeah, um, Robbie Fowler, Fowler um, yeah. Stan Collymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like those mid-90s games, so I would have been like seven, they were like against Newcastle as a couple of games. Uh, just, yeah, I felt obsessed with it. I shouldn't mention this to a Liverpool fan, but I saw the rerun of the final game of the season, Arsenal-Liverpool game, mm-hmm. where Trev, not Steve... Who was it? Not David Rollcastle. Where Arsenal scored. Michael Thomas. Thomas. Michael Thomas. Yeah, yes. scored in the last moment yeah. to kind of just snatch the title away from. I mean, that was so. I mean, that was more dramatic than the Aguero. Do you reckon? It was, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because it was the two teams going at it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was the, yeah, It was one or the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. the Aguero one is is just because of like the pageantry of it, like yeah. the, the cameras, the the theatre all around it, it just made it feel it's more sure, bigger. Yeah, yeah. 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 Favourite player ever? Probably the Dan or Schmeichel. I, had a, I was a goalkeeper growing up, I was obsessed with Peter Schmeichel. He's a brilliant player, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Zidane for me. Yeah, just the most graceful. Yeah, yeah. And, and Teddy headbutted Matarazzi in the, in the chest, less but, graceful. But even that was a kind of artistic <laughs> sign yeah, yeah. I've already won the World Cup, I yeah. might as well just headbutt someone in yeah. the next World Cup final. No, he still did it with style, to be fair. He did. And he was a big moment player. Yeah. And that's the thing for me, like, Drogba, I mean, obviously a very good player, but, you know, not perhaps the greatest striker, you know, among the greats, but when the moment mm-hmm. come, he delivered, didn't yeah. he? He scored the goal in the Champions League mm-hmm. to equalise, you know. 
yeah. steps up. And I think Zidane was the same, wasn't he? Yeah, Leverkusen. Was it Leverkusen? The Champions League? 2002, yeah, yeah. Some goal. Some two headers in the World Cup final. Who's yours, Nice? Well, my favourite football player of all time. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I can't get Mario Kempet out of my mind. <laughs> I don't know who he is. <laughs> I mean, he was the golden, he was the Argent, Argentinian centre forward when Argentina won the World Cup on their home soil. I think he was a golden boot winner. I don't think he's ever been mentioned as the greatest. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but and then there's another uh, Brazilian one, Socrates, is another one that I just used to love watching yeah. play play football. Yeah. Honourable yeah. mention to the, the original Ronaldo. Of course. Yeah. 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 He was something else. He's now a po- po- poker star's uh, oh, is he? celebrity. Yeah, yeah. He's big on the, on the poker stars <laughs> circuit. <laughs> It's like, I mean, it's, I think it's hard to judge across eras, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Messi and Ronaldo are two of the greatest players ever. And I think if you look at their stats, they score mm-hmm. a ridiculous amount of goals. Yeah, it's insane. But then mm-hmm. is that skewered because the game's changed? Or, or is it just they're the greatest? Or They're playing on better pitches. They've got better nutrition. They're better athletes, aren't they? And that analysis and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it is impossible to compare, but... I don't think you can say anyone's better than those two. Simply what they've done. Yeah, on the pure numbers, mm-hmm. they are Be untouchable, nuts. aren't they? Yeah. 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 Mm. So, who would win a fight between a tiger and a grizzly bear? Tiger. Why? I just would. Think? I think a grizzly bear because it's got like arms. So does a tiger. Oh, legs. Four legs. <laughs> Tigers got more weapons, didn't they? They got. Well, no, they. Tigers are quicker. Mm. I think it goes past the first round on the Grizzly. I'm a Grizzly bear every time for me. <laughs> Maybe it's because I remember the, the horror movie again when you two were bored. There's a sign of the Grizzly. Your whole life was pre 80s. <laughs> Living in the past, didn't we? <laughs> So you're in a fight to the death. You're allowed to bring one non-firearm-based weapon. Oh gosh! What would it be? Remember sanitizer. (laughs) (laughs) Got a good chance, didn't you? Face masks. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If we're talking about now, yeah, but that'd be my. I mean, we've yet to fully define what the rules are because I'm thinking about whether it's. You know, you're allowed mechanical-based weapons. So we were discussing how lethal chainsaws were. Mm. I mean, if you're allowed a chainsaw, I think you're bringing a chainsaw. It'd be a chainsaw, wouldn't it? Yeah. I can't get trident out of my mind. A trident? A trident. I was talking about the nuclear weapon. That would win. A fork. Yeah, that would win. <laughs> Turn up with a trident. Crowbar? You bought a crowbar. I bought you? a crowbar the other day, yeah. First for me, my first crowbar ever. What's the, what's the, I don't understand what the use of a crowbar is. Breaking into people's houses? Yeah, no, no. Don't you live in your diversification? We need to do what we need to do. <laughs> what do you do at home, though? I don't understand. I mean, what? You don't want to know. I've been, <laughs> I've been concreting in the children's climbing frame, so mm-hmm. I've been digging holes, so I've just been using it to help me dig out holes. A crowbar to dig out holes. 
Just to yeah, yeah. use a proper like a pickaxe. I mean, it, it should have been a pickaxe, but the hole's only small, really. So I've just needed to get it, get in. You just wanted a crowbar. I just want a crowbar <laughs> to go next to my bolt cutters that I bought the other one. The balaclava. So, yeah. If anyone's bike goes missing, you know, check out the area. Don't come looking for me. <laughs> okay. Um, what's the opposite of cheese? <laughs> oh, God. What's the opposite of cheese? Biscuits? <laughs> no idea. Chalk. Oh, oh, chalk and cheese. Yeah. That's smarter. That's I it. don't know if that's you the answer. It. I think that is it. That is the only answer. But he, did, he did come up with the question though as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the answer. <laughs> and we were both members of a group on Facebook called the Thor Men's Club. You guys are. Yeah. I'm sure I've invited you. You have. I ignored it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should join. It's a source of great merriment. And it was a question that was posed on there. I think it attracted 540 comments. God, that is dull. <laughs> there you go. Living up to its name. All right, last one then. Everyday things that annoy you. Or one everyday thing that annoys you. Uh, what is neg negativity about things? Mm. Um, mm. And the, the, right now is probably the worst example of that, or the best example when they look at it. Just people just moaning. Like, it's a, it's a bad situation. There's other bad situations. People, it's like people who moan about their job all the time, well, don't do it. Or they moan about the relationship, don't be in it. Um, mm. People just need to look at the positives of, of life. Mm. I was going to say hair bands. <laughs> <laughs> for you. <laughs> but you're not for me, but thanks very much for coming on, Henry. Oh, you're welcome, it was good. Yeah. Good, good stuff. All right. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you in the new lawn next time. Yeah, see you there.